1: So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.
2: From KQED. A lot of people I talk to think that San Francisco has become... Like that it's become bland, or that it's losing or it's already lost its edge. One place where that's not supposed to happen is in the local music scene. But now, even that's not safe.
0: The big conglomerates are reaching their tentacles further and further down into smaller sized clubs. Clubs that they previously ignored or didn't care about. Some people in the local music scene are worried that national
2: promoters are calling the shots for who gets to be heard. And they think that this will strip away the local sound. I'm Devin Katayama, welcome to the Bay. What's up, Sam? Hey, how you
1: doing? Good to see you. What's going
2: on? Sam Lefebvre is a freelance reporter who's been covering the local arts and music scene here in the Bay Area for a while. We meet him outside this local music venue slash bar in Albany called The Ivy Room. It's pouring rain, so we jump in the car to talk for a second. Huh. Sam says he chose the Ivy Room because he wants us to meet the club's music booker, Tony Bedard.
1: I've known him really as long as I've lived in and been covering uh, music in the Bay Area. I think for more than 15 years, he was the in-house booker at the Hemlock Tavern. And he's kind of the guy who kind of built that spot into this kind of divey rocker haunt.
2: This is Ty Siegel performing at the Hemlock back in
1: 2009. All of the sort of indie rock or garage rock acts from San Francisco that have gotten popular, you know, really played some of their earliest shows to next to no one there, thanks to Tony.
2: (laughs) The Hemlock Tavern closed last fall, so Tony got this gig booking shows at the Great American Music Hall. But then, he lost that job too after the big national promoter, Golden Voice, which is in charge of booking the shows there, didn't need him anymore. That's how he found himself at the Ivy Room.
0: Hey, what's up, I'm Devin. Devin, Tony, how's it going? Nice to meet
2: you. We make our way out of the rain and into the Ivy Room.
0: are you. Oh, thanks. Cool, I think we're just gonna grab a booth. Okay.
2: What's the capacity here? 200. When you have shows here, obviously it's gotta be packed, right?
0: Yes, when it's crowded, obviously they're sitting on the uh, the, the backs of the, the couches. And I think we're probably gonna try to move these couches maybe to create a little bit more floor space.
2: There are a bunch of smaller rooms like this where local bands play all around the Bay Area. But Tony is worried about the music venues one size up, the mid-size clubs, places where local bands can still be heard next to national acts. These clubs are where two national promoters, Golden Voice and Live Nation, are starting to book the shows. And Tony says it's taking business away from local promoters.
0: The big conglomerates are reaching their tentacles further and further down into smaller-sized clubs, clubs that they previously ignored or didn't care about, or thought, "Oh, hey, a 500-capacity club isn't really worth our time." Now, these 500-capacity clubs are, you know, becoming a key part of their, you know, of their business
1: strategy. And so now we've finally reached the point where Golden Voice and Live Nation both control everything from a fairly small club to a mega festival in the Bay Area. And a lot of people in the music scene tell me this has serious consequences for artists, musicians, as well as fans.
2: Sam says you gotta think about the legendary music scenes all across the country, like CBGB's in New York, the Fillmore in San Francisco.
1: Almost all of them were centered on sort of one or a small constellation of independently owned and operated venues. Sam says the business models
2: of these national promoters are organized in a way so that they handle the ticket sales, which explains the high ticket fees. They handle the promoting, so local bands may have a harder time getting a show, not only because there's no local promoter, but the national promoters also encourage bands to
1: only play in their venues. Here's what I've heard from from multiple People who still run independent venues is they have a rapport with a nationally touring band. That band has played their club the last time, the last two times they came to San Francisco. Now that promoter sees, oh, hey, this band is coming back to SF. They hit up this band. They're like, oh, you want to play our club again? It's gone really well. Now they hear from the band, you know, actually, we're going to go play this club that Golden Voice controls, even though we like you. Even though you booked really good openers for us, we're going to go play the Golden Voice Controlled Club because we think it's going to help us play Coachella. And Coachella
2: is a freaking big deal for bands. They can make a ton of money off the merch and selling albums. Plus, they get their name out there. So you can't really blame the bands.
1: You know, it really is too bad that it, it severs the relationships with the independently-operated clubs, and it takes regular bookings away from them. It hurts their businesses.
2: We talked to the manager of one local venue who said that it's really hard to stay alive as an independent music venue in San Francisco. These national promoters have the power to fill
0: rooms and bring an audience. If you put yourself in the shoes of the owners of these clubs, I think that they were looking at the writing on the wall and felt that if they didn't Join up with one of these big corporations, you know for the booking that in the that they would eventually wind up losing out or maybe even eventually go out of business
1: Sam you talk to promoters with Golden Voice. What do they say about this? Well You know, I think it's important to stress that when I interviewed um a Golden Voice promoter who was one of the people who that company had brought up from L.A. to really oversee its Bay Area expansion you know I I asked him point blank if um, it was important to sort of continue the sort of locally oriented booking that Tony was bringing to Great American and I mean he he told me straight up um, that wasn't a priority I mean uh, the company is not Even pretending to be super invested or or focused on um, sort of supporting or cultivating a local music scene. Sam
2: and Tony both say that cultivating that scene is really important, especially here in the Bay Area, where we pride ourselves on having a scene and creating art and music and stuff
0: that other people in other places like. That's what they're afraid is going away. In these clubs, you can see things, witness things, and hear things that you can't experience anywhere else, and, or that you can't experience necessarily at these bigger, you know, at, at these bigger rooms or these, you know, these bigger venues. You're talking about raw, unfettered creativity can happen in these small, independent venues, and that's what leads to, you know, great artistic expression.
2: This is Deerhoof performing at Great American Music Hall back in 2008 before they partnered with Golden Voice.
1: I would challenge listeners to come up with a, you know, Live Nation run and operated venue that has been sort of the nexus of a music scene that's gone down in history for yielding like great art.
2: Thanks to reporter Sam LaFave and local music promoter Tony Bedard, who both say local
1: bands aren't going away. I mean, I think musicians will continue punishing themselves by forming bands, kind of no no matter what. Being being in a band
0: is is somewhat against nature, you know. So there's still going
2: to be bands out there. You just might have to do a little more work to discover them. With that, I want to leave you with Shannon and the Clams out of Oakland, playing last year at Eli's Mile High Club. This episode was produced by Peter Arcuni, Julie Kane, and our editor, Erica Aguilar. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. I'll talk to you Wednesday.